Hey, what's up guys? Just Jason for this episode. Doing things a little bit differently. This one is going to be a special kind of bonus episode for October. Um, if anybody knows me, this is my favorite time of the year. We've got Halloween coming up and um, I love horror movies. So thought I would do a special episode for anybody out there like me. Uh, I talked to five different people in uh, five different bands and about horror movies, Halloween, metal, all that combined and uh, whatever else. So first up, we've got Mike Hill from Tombs. Um, he's also got two podcasts that he'll tell you about. And then we've got Slasher Dave. He's the front man for Acid Witch, does the keys, um, effects, and um, some songwriting, I know. He also has a solo project called Slasher Dave. It's all instrumental, synth, old school, John Carpenter type of uh, soundtrack music. Then we've got Matt Harvey of Exhume, Gruesome, Repulsion. And after him, we'll do Sven from Aborted. And to finish things out, we'll have Jeremy Wagner of Broken Hope, guitars, lyricists, and he is also a horror author. Does a, he's got a new book coming out about zombies, and he'll tell you all about it. So, all right, guys, hope you enjoy. man well uh you know what let's start with a little bit of what you've got going on right now because actually you know i've known tombs for about a year or so but i just found out about your podcast the two podcasts you have so kind of just give a little hint of what you've got going on there okay well um you know with tombs we just wrapped up a um relatively short tour primarily in the uh, northeast and um you know into canada and um that was that was pretty cool you know we had pretty decent shows in montreal and surprisingly, Ottawa turned out to be a pretty sick spot for us to play. And uh, one okay. of the one of the high points of that little tour was uh, opening for Godflesh in uh, New York City, which is uh, a favorite band of mine. For you know, they're a huge influence oh, on what nice. I do. So on, on the podcasting front, I've got everything went black, which I started. Damn, like what, like seven years ago or something like that, six or seven years ago. And um, oh wow, okay, yeah. So I've been. I mean. 
it was I started doing that podcast before podcasting was like a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know about, it was going for that long, so that's cool. Yeah, you know, it's um it started off slow, just like maybe one or one one a month, one episode a month, maybe skipping a couple months here and there, just having guests on, you know, just uh sort of building and developing and kind of just refining what I was doing. And now um pretty much do maybe two to three episodes a month for the, for the most part. And, um, like in mm-hmm. a wide variety of different things, like it's either guests, you know, like I've had Roger Murray on from agnostic front. I've had, uh, Eric Rutan as a guest from, you know, yeah. hate eternal morbid angel. Um, and then also just like interesting people that I find, uh, might have something to add to the tapestry of stuff that I got going on. And then there's also, you solo. Know what I really liked, I really like that one you just did with uh, the Metal Sucks, uh, one of the creators. I thought that was really uh, an interesting one. Yeah, that was interesting because um, I pretty much called him out like on another episode that yeah. I did <laughs> as uh, being yellow journalism, which um, I still believe that Metal Sucks is to a large degree. But it was nice to actually sit down and, and kind of get a lot of that stuff out in the open. And, you know, I feel like we agree on a lot of things, but we also disagree on certain things. And that's... That, mm-hmm. that that point is exactly the point I was trying to make, that you can't judge people um, 100%, and you also have to uh, accept all opinions, uh, even the ones that you don't yeah. like. You know, so that's kind of like... That's what I thought was cool about it. You know, you could tell you guys didn't agree on everything, but you guys were, you talked it out. There was no, nothing got heated. You know, it was very cool just to hear like an adult conversation, not some online, you know, comments. And it was just, uh, I thought it was very cool to hear two people doing that because you don't really hear a lot of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that in, in the environment that we live in today where there's all this like Twitter wars and there's no face-to-face um, you know, confrontation and confrontation, not so much like in an aggressive stance, but like, you know, people don't really do things face to face anymore. There's this distance. And I feel that that mm-hmm. sometimes gives people the license to be rude to each other. And, uh, you know, bringing the thing with me and Ben together face to face, I thought was, was pretty awesome. And, you know, I got a lot of respect for the guy. He's a smart dude. And, um, you know, even though I don't, I don't agree with a hundred percent of what they're about, I just think that, you know, they play a part in all this too. And they're, you know, valuable with their opinions, even though that some of their opinions aren't really in line with my thinking, but you mm-hmm. know, every, mm-hmm. everyone's got their platform and I totally support that. Um, and then also, uh, in addition to everything went black, I have necromaniacs, which is a hundred percent focused on horror, which is like yeah. my big, one of my biggest passions next to music is, is horror. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so that started with, uh, Mike Scandato, who, Actually, oddly enough, the very first episode of Everything Went Black was me and Mike discussing a Serbian film, which we had just seen together in a theater in Brooklyn. So, okay, yeah, there's a little bit of synergy between Everything Went Black and Necromaniacs, you know, in that respect, since Mike and I co-host Necromaniacs together and it's a horror podcast. So, um, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. And then um, starting in November, I'm going to be hosting the Gimme Radio podcast, um, which is going to launch um, in a couple months. And that's that's going to be like more of like, um, you know, interviews, but also kind of rundowns of favorite records and uh, reports on different scenes and, uh, you know, some multi-part stuff. And but that's coming down the line in November. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Busy man. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) So. So horror is a big passion of yours, man. So what. What started it off for you? I mean, 
for me, it was being scared. You know, when I was young, those those first couple movies that uh, maybe you're not supposed to watch and you catch it and you're terrified. You know, what started the passion? What was the spark? That's a really good question. And I have a, a really good answer for you because <laughs> when I was <laughs> nice. a very, very young kid, uh, my parents took me to see The Exorcist in the drive-in. And, oh, nice. uh, <laughs> I know, right? It's like kind of like... <laughs> How old were you there? Oh, dude, I don't even... Probably four, maybe, you know? <laughs> okay. And uh, I remember yeah. like my parents sitting in the front seat and I was in the back and my mom's like, like, don't watch this. Like, hide your, you know, hide your eyes. And I was just like, <laughs> what? You know, I'm like, okay. But that wasn't enough. It was like, you know, the, the voices and the, the, the demonic voices and all the horrible things that... Yeah. You know that Pazuzu was making, uh, making you know her say. <laughs> Hello, Reagan. I'm a friend of your mother's. I'd like to help you. You might loosen the straps. I'm afraid you might hurt yourself, Reagan. I'm not Reagan. I see. Well then, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Carras. And I'm the devil. Now kindly undo these straps. If you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? That's much too vulgar a display of power, Karis. Where's Reagan? In here with us. That yeah. terror and feeling of otherworldliness is like really what kind of sparked my interest in the macabre. And I think that, you know, I, I wasn't even able to read at that age. But once I started reading... Um, you know, I started reading comic books and like, you know, Tomb of Dracula and, you know, Werewolf by Night and stuff like that. And then, of course, back in those golden days, there was, um, on you know, the tri-state area, there was Channel 11 and Channel 9. And, you know, I know using, you know, these terms are completely like irrelevant these days, but there used to be these horror shows on like Creature Double Feature and, you know, Chiller yeah, Theater. Yeah. And I just started absorbing all that stuff and, um, you know, just like I said, being afraid, like that feeling of, um, of fear, this almost like unconquerable impulse to run away, like that was really what attracted me to horror, you know, and, and, uh, and scary movies in general. So, I mean, that's kind of like where it all started, I guess. Yeah, that's funny you say that because that was, that's, that's one of my first memories of being really scared was, uh, was The Exorcist. And it was, it was different for me because my parents, you know, I was raised in a very Christian household growing up. And so, you know, horror movies were kind of taboo, you know. And so I'd have to sneak down into my basement and kind of try and catch these when they were on maybe like AMC Fear Fest or, or something like that. Sure. And I remember, you know, I had the lights off. I was down there by myself watching The Exorcist. And I don't think I got through the whole thing the first time, you know. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, think I, uh, I think I turned it off about halfway through. But it was a similar thing, man, especially with, the, you know, it being it, it playing on some of those religious things. It was one of those that really stuck with me hard. Well, that's a good point you bring up because I was uh, raised Roman Catholic. And um, my grandmother was from Italy. And, uh, you know, she had all these like religious icons like in her house. And I mean, right then and there, that's a horror film, you know, Jesus Christ hanging from the cross with like, you know, the, the stigmata and like impaled by spears and blood and the blood of Christ and all this stuff. And, you know, religion and Christianity and horror, you know, and the devil and Satan, all that stuff all played into that sort of, mm -hmm. um, you know, otherworldly fear, you know, which, um, 
which was like an early part of it, you know? Yeah. So like with that, you know, do you think that played into you going towards metal being a dark, darker type of, uh, you know, music or, you know, what was it that led you down that way? Well, definitely. I mean, horror films for sure informed that, you know, when I first started listening to music, it was, um, you know, a lot of top 40 stuff like, you know, foreigner and like kind of light rock music. But then when I heard Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, like that was what really set me on the path, especially, um, like the very first Black Sabbath record with the the song Black Sabbath, which is that mm-hmm. that awesome tritone, um, you know, guitar riff in it. just the artwork the imagery um you know references to satan you know and all this kind of witchcraft stuff is you know definitely had like that macabre hammer horror film element to it and that's you know and and of course like something about just the intensity of the music really uh really got me when i was a kid yeah because i know like i was talking to you before we did this for me it's it seems like there's definitely that horror and metal connection nine times out of ten people are at least somewhat if they're into metal that you know they're pretty into horror too you know why do you think that is is such a thing well i mean like like we just established like the two the two mediums really do go hand in hand and um i just think that people in general um you know it's a healthy thing to be fascinated with like the dark side of stuff as well because i mean you can't Mm -hmm. really have light without darkness you have to have equal quantities of both of those things and you know, people who sort of like, you know, eschew darker things, I feel like are not really facing some of their fears that they might have. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that reluctance to face your fear is sort of um, an obstacle and, you know, it stands in the way of being like a complete person. So, I mean, you know, and then the other side too, just someone who's just only into dark stuff is like not really living a full spectrum of life. And, uh, so I just think that, you know, a healthy dose of both things is like kind of required. And, um, you yeah. know, also horror movies are just fun. I mean, 
who doesn't like to see like, <laughs> you know, devils and vampires and zombies and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and this stuff is just cool, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Does it ever seep into the music you make at all? Or is it kind of just a separate thing? I think that, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the, the music that Tombs makes is, uh, probably more inspired by like HP Lovecraft and kind of like cosmic horror than, um, mm-hmm. than just the more visceral stuff like night of the living dead or whatever. And, you know, the bands that I've been influenced by in the course of my life, I mean, like Sam Hain, you know, black Sabbath slayer, like that kind of stuff are, you know, those are bands that definitely have a good dose of the macabre in their music, you know, the misfits, you know, Danzig, like that kind of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. So when I've, I've listened to just a couple episodes of uh, the horror podcast, the Necro, I'm sorry, what was it? Necromaniacs. Necromaniacs, yeah. yeah. And yeah. And you guys are talking a lot about some of the newer stuff. What are some of the classics? Like if you were, you know, Halloween when that's coming up that you might want to sit down, you want to dive back into some of your favorites. What are what are some of those? Well, you I go was back to a lot. For sure uh Halloween, the first Halloween film and the second one are both mm-hmm. great. And uh you know, there's that sort of sequel coming out this uh like next month actually. Yeah. But uh but yeah. Michael Myers I think is like one of the best like stalker, serial killer, you know, slasher, you know, type of characters out there and the, the things that I found most frightening in that movie were his appearances during the daylight, you know, and like the town of um, whatever the hell the town was in Halloween. Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't very different from the town I grew up in. So I think that the familiarity of suburban streets and uh, after school activities and being in high school and, you know, trick or treating. Yeah. You know, and the relative safety of the suburbs being sort of. Um, intruded upon by a maniac like Michael Myers who was able to kind of slip unnoticed you know into the fabric of society and start killing people like that I felt to be very disturbing and frightening and like I said his appearances of him just kind of lurking on the street like in the afternoon you know just kind of like this specter that no one noticed I think was uh really effective and um you know, with this kind of like work work clothes on and Dickie's, you know, pants and all this sort of stuff. And he just looked like some yeah. kind of evil mechanic that was going home from work, you know. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Right, yeah, same here, man. It's one of my favorites for sure. I'm, I'm... I'm curious and I'm kind of excited to see what they do with that new one because it seems like they're on the right path, but you know, you never know. I got some, uh, you know, I have positive feelings about it. I mean, the trailer looked pretty cool. I think they got their heads in the right place and, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty stoked for it. Uh, another Carpenter film that's awesome is uh, The Thing, of course, you know, and, uh, you know, that's yeah. pretty, pretty over the top, you know, special effects for the time. And I just kind of like the, um, there was like no women in it too. There was no like romantic interest. It was just like these Mm. isolated guys like out in the frozen wasteland and the sense of paranoia and all that sort of stuff was, uh, that that's, 
another classic in my opinion yeah for sure john carpenter in general man i just yeah he's he's high up there for me he's a great musician too all his scores are, are incredible i think yeah you know when he was touring i i'm so mad i didn't get to see him i think there was something going on i couldn't make it but uh I'm hoping he does another one of those tours where he plays his classics and some of those new stuff he has, because I love all that. Yeah, I have a feeling he's going to be out there again, especially with the release of this new film. Yeah, right. That's true. That's true. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Um, Do you have anything new that has stood out to you? I mean, that is actually recommended, you know, oh, from yeah. this year, maybe last year. What's Because uh, I haven't seen too much yet from this year, so I'm kind of trying to write some stuff down, and now that fall time's coming around, I'm going to be you know, marathoning quite a bit. So yeah, yeah. What, uh, what new stuff that you would you highly recommend? Well, there's two films that come to mind and they're both very different. The first one would be Terrifier, which is, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw that on Netflix, um, pop up. I didn't watch it, but yeah, I highly recommend that one. It's, um, shot on Long Island. So, uh, you know, being a, a denizen of the tri-state area, I, uh, you know, support that. And it's like a totally, new millennium version of the slasher i mean it's just like art the clown is like the most brutal entry into the slasher genre you know he's a vicious character mm-hmm. and it's an intense movie um it looks like an exploitation film like it has like that sort of grainy quality of like a 42nd street film so um you know kind of pays homage to that era and um yeah i think it's really well done and um that's that comes to mind as like a new horror film and then of just brutality but then like on the other end of the spectrum there's pie Wacket, which uh is more like hmm. atmospheric and you know sort of story driven and subtle and uh you know that one is um, how do you spell that one p-y-e-w-a-c-k-e-t pie Wacket. Mm, okay yeah i haven't heard of that one it's um it's a possession film or is it okay <laughs> it's like one of these deals where <laughs> okay you're, at the end of the film, it's like very debate. You, there's a debate that you can have that it, either she was possessed or this was just like some uh, kind of like mm. expression of her, you know, crumbling like you know psyche. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. That sounds inter- That sounds something like I like. Yeah, it's very psychological. Kinda. A lot of atmosphere. You know, no, no, like jump scares or and not really a lot of special effects either. And the the main actress is in every single scene. So um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. You know, I really want to see Hereditary. I've heard a lot of good things, but I haven't gotten out to see that one. Have you Have you gotten to see it yet? Or I enjoyed that one for sure. Um, but I like these other two better, actually. I mean, okay. you know, Hereditary was definitely cool. You know, definitely great acting. Um, there, it was a little bit on the nose in some spots, you know. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I like some of the references they had to the occult and some of the, um, you know, the... the the, the goetia the goetic like references to these different types of entities and whatnot is really cool but um yeah but you know it was cool i enjoyed it but i liked pie wagon better it was a little, little more subtle yeah. i thought you know yeah sure all right well yeah i thought i wrote them down so i'll definitely be checking those out because like i said last night i was uh jumped on netflix and i was kind of looking around i saw that terrifier one and i was kind of looking <laughs> it up and you know i'm a fan of slashers and i saw it had some 80s uh throwback type of vibes going on but with a more modern twist so yeah that's written down too so i'll be checking those out for sure it's very brutal the movie yeah it's just like yeah really intense violence in that film yeah well i'm i'm uh, i'm ready for it <laughs> <laughs> um so going back to the metal just a little bit so do you pay attention to to a lot of the new stuff yeah i mean there's a lot of new bands i dig i mean you know the, the new rivers of nile record is great um, i don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with them uh, we toured, yeah, we toured sure. them last year and, uh, 
you know, progressive kind of bands, but, you know, very great players. And um, I'm all about their new album. I think it's great. Yeah, I'm same here. We talked, I talked to Brody uh, earlier in the year and yeah, I've been listening to that album quite a bit. There's also some like newer, like local type bands that I really like. There's a band called Windfarer from New Jersey. That's um, kind of like this, you know, black metal, uh, but with this like pagan sort of vibe to it. And, um, you know, they're, they're like, like when I say, you know, to me, a new band is like something that is from within the last like four or five years, you know, because it takes so long yeah. to be established, you know. And um, another great death metal band from that area is called Replicant. Kind of like uh, Gorguts, I would say, like uh, that Canadian yeah. sort of sound. And then, mm-hmm. in my opinion, one of the finest death metal bands to be making the rounds right now is Artificial Brain. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah, that was one of my uh, tops from last year for sure. Yeah, so you're you're down with those guys. That's uh, I think I I see like huge things coming for those guys. They're incredible live. Their records are great. They're cool dudes, yeah. and like just the musicianship okay. is pretty sick, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd love to catch them live. I like you know it's again it's kind of that gore guts feel, but uh, they add some little twists and turns in there, little, those weird plays on melody and weird. Yeah. Just fresh, you know? Yeah. And they just have like that, like I said, that kind of East coast, you know, knucklehead, like sort of groove thing going on too at times, which I enjoy. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. All right. Uh, last one here, man. Cause like I said, I'm going to have a few people on this episode, so I don't want to go too long, but, um, if you're, if the band tombs, Yes. was going to score a horror movie or was a horror movie, what would you kind of pair it with? Like, you know what I'm saying? Hmm, that's a, what would it match well with? That's a good question, <laughs> you actually. Can think of something. And I have, uh, you know, it's funny, the movie that comes to mind right away is Event Horizon. I don't know if you know that movie. Yeah, but I've never seen it, oh, to be man, honest. Oh, man, dude, you need to see that. That's like, I mean, it came out in the 90s, so it's like a definite low point right. in like U.S. horror, you know, for sure. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's like a sci-fi horror film, similar to Alien in that respect. And uh, right, right. It's got it all, man. It's like interdimensional travel, you know, like <laughs> uh, insanity, um, you know, body horror, uh, you know, okay. this like dark satanic sort of vibe in it. It's like really killer, you know. And I think that if Tombs could score any horror film, it would be that one. I think it'd be perfect for that. Does it? Is it dark kind of? I mean, because you guys put out pretty dark music overall i would say you know is it kind of matching that way or no oh yeah definitely and actually uh there's like a very direct reference to that film in one of the lyrics i have in uh, the song old wounds on on our our last album you know i say liberate tutume which is like latin for save yourself and that's one of the lines in the film when there's like you know like on a plane there's like a black box which records all this you know like the yeah so this spaceship that's been lost for like couple of years went into hell like he went into this warp drive and got sucked into hell and the, the crew went insane and started killing themselves and ripping each other apart and there's video yeah. of the captain you know all lacerated just like giving a message to someone who's watching the um the black box recording and it's like liberate tutume you know ex and ferris you know save yourself and it's just that I thought was like super eerie. And I use that as like yeah. one of the um, the hooks in uh, Old Wounds. So there's a sort of a direct connection to that film. And I love that song, man. So it's a creepy, it's got some creepy sounding parts to it with some of those vocals you threw in there. It's a, it's a great song. Right on, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. 
but yeah, man. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, talking to you, man. And like I said, I, you know, metal and horror, some of my top passions. So it was uh, a, a cool, cool conversation, man. Yeah, man. There's a lot out there. I mean, you've got exhumed, you got mortician, you got like tons of bands that are, you know, cannibal corpse yeah directly inspired by horror you know yeah exactly exactly it's i thought it'd be worth doing you know maybe some people won't care if they don't like it as much as me but you know whatever i think it's uh, i think it's cool well i'm interested and thanks for uh, having me on <laughs> i appreciate it
All right. So for me, I'm a huge horror, Halloween nerd, all that kind of stuff. And it's October now, you know, most beautiful yeah. time of the year. Do you know what it was that first started getting you into like Halloween and horror and all that shit? Uh, my, my mom. Okay. Uh, she was super into horror movies growing up, I think. And just being a kid, I was watching like, I don't know why, but I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street and shit when I was like three. <laughs> okay. And um, I don't know why, but she just kind of used it as a babysitter for me because if she put it on, I would just be like glued to the TV. I wouldn't be fucking with anything. Right. And uh, there's a couple movies like that, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Ghostbusters is another one that just had me completely like mesmerized. Yeah. Watching the TV. Yeah, it it had to have been my mom. And every time Halloween came around, Halloween was always kind of a happy time in my house. So yeah, uh, Halloween and horror movies kind of go hand in hand. And I don't know, it, it had to have just been my mom and her love for Stephen King and horror. And really, you know, drilling it in my head at a young age that it's not, you know, it's not real. This is entertainment, and um, I've always just kind of looked at it as a way to escape when I put a movie on, so that's my mom. (laughs) That's funny, man, because for me, I I was trying to think the other day, because I'm like the weird one with all my friends and family. You know, I'm the only one that's like obsessed with it, and I don't know if it's like, for me, my parents were the opposite, you know, very religious, and so like horror movies were kind of like taboo, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I would always have to like sneak them whenever I was watching them, and I was trying to figure out if it's just something like, you know, where you're not supposed to do it, so it made it feel really cool when I could do it. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know if that, I feel like for me, that might be why, you know, I got so much into it, maybe. Yeah, the the rebellion aspect of things, for sure. Right. But that's cool. That's cool. Your mom got you in it, man. Yeah. Like, do you do any, like, now that it's October, do you do, you do any, like, traditions, like horror marathons or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah. So far this year, I've done The Great Pumpkin, uh, Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to watch as many Halloween specials as I can. That's kind of my thing. Okay. Is uh, when I was a kid, my mom would record like uh, the Halloween specials because I was super into Halloween as a kid. She'd pop in the tape and the VCR and she would just record whatever Halloween special was being played that night. No way. And some of them even still have the vintage commercials and shit. Oh, and man. I still have the tape. And even on the side of the tape, you remember like the blank tape you could like write on it yeah yeah (laughs) she had like a pumpkin like drawn (laughs) on it and shit and i still have that tape and actually i still watch it every year because there's a couple halloween specials on that that have never gotten a dvd or vhs release and was only shown on tv one fucking time that's bad i'm the only person i know that has it and that (laughs) knows about it Right, that's badass. uh, Yeah, that's usually my tradition. All the Halloween movies, of course. I don't know why I usually start by watching four first. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just because of that beginning sequence, it really represents, like, I don't know, just being from the Midwest and what Halloween in October looks Mm -hmm. like in the Midwest. That whole opening scene is just very cool to me. I agree, man. I I always, you got to settle in on a few of the Halloweens. I don't, 
as far as the whole franchise goes, you know, I know there's, I don't go into all of them, but you know, I, I've been getting into three a lot the last couple of years, like right around Halloween. Oh, I've always loved three. Three's always been a favorite of mine. Dark masks, gather round your TV set, put on your masks, and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third gather commercial, it's still on, please. Watch Take off the third channel, the third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please, stop it, stop it now. Turn it off, turn it off. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. You know, obviously it's one of those things at first you see it and you didn't, I didn't like it back in the day, but. I didn't know it was a Halloween movie when I originally seen it. Oh, there you go. Because I seen it on TV and I just thought it was this movie about masks and it wasn't until my teen years where I rented it and was like, holy shit, I remember this movie (laughs) on TV as a fucking kid. Yeah. And, like, I I had no idea, but my way of looking at that movie is a little bit different. I get that a lot of people want to see Michael killing some babysitters or something, you know. I just look at it. I mean, John Carpenter, you know, I mean, might as well go down the line. Yeah, I mean, well, the original idea for the Halloween movies was every single one be a different story. Right. That was his original idea, and that's exactly what Halloween 3 is. And... It still has Michael Myers in it. It has the fuck when they're drinking at the bar, a Halloween commercial comes <laughs> that's on. That's right. That's right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That would have been cool. It would have been a cool way actually to probably go is to try and do that. You know, different, yeah. different style. If, if movie, if they could pump movies out like Halloween three, then I'd be all aboard that. But yeah, I agree. The franchise kind of, I don't know, maybe took a shitty fucking turn and in the original franchise of the storyline which the new halloween they're getting rid of part two yeah and it just takes place after part one now that's what i heard but in the original franchise michael myers dies by getting drop kicked by busta ryan (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) so that's pretty i always found that kind of funny (laughs) are you going to check the new one out yeah, I'll check the new one out, but uh, I'm very against taking out part two because yeah, I know part two is the same night. It's the same story. It's just a continuation on from, you know, Dr. Loomis shooting him, him falling out the window, looking mm-hmm. out the window and the body being gone. Part two starts off. I mean, that is the beginning of part two where Michael gets up and starts roaming around the neighborhood and goes to the old people's house and steals the knife and I don't know, from the trailer for the new one, I see Laurie Strode preparing with all these fucking guns and shit, just like H2O. Right. And why is she preparing all these years if she spent five minutes with Michael in the first movie? That's true. That's you true. Didn't, you didn't even know that he wasn't human until part two, where he takes out an entire fucking hospital, you know, yeah. like get shot in the fucking eye. Like you really saw in part two that this dude isn't human. Part one, Laurie Strode spent five minutes with the dude and told the kids to run across the street. Like what is she <laughs> preparing for all these years? But That's what I think point, they're going to do is put this new flashback. They have to put this new flashback 
story of what actually happened that night since part two's out the window now. So yeah. I don't know. They they've got my money. I even went and saw H2O and Resurrection and all that. The franchise has my money regardless. Right. Yeah, you might have just ruined it for me a little bit. Just <laughs> I didn't think of it like that, but I'll still go see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. No, it's all right, man. It's all right. I mean, yeah, I, I, you got to see. I saw the Rob Zombie ones, whatever. I'm going to go see it. So, yeah. What about uh, like, I don't know. I, I tried to figure out just the other day, like which one out of the out of the big franchises, you know, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare, maybe throw. Yeah, I guess you could throw Texas Chainsaw in there. Yeah, Do you Texas have a favorite out of those? <clears throat> like full franchise wise? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just love the dream sequences. I love freddy i've had him tattooed on me for oh fuck i don't even know almost 20 years now (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah um i have michael tattooed on me too but freddy's i've freddy was like i have a picture of me at a with my dad at a video rental place i was four years old (laughs) i have a picture of me wearing the glove the hat the sweater and i don't know i always just kind of related more to freddy as the villain just because of the whole revenge you know aspect of things and it's just very entertaining i love the dream sequence kills yeah even like the new one (laughs) you oh man i was gonna i don't know if i can agree with you on that one but (laughs) yeah i even like the new one i didn't i didn't care for him as freddy too much but my Mm -hmm. argument is Look at the fucking dream sequence kills in it. It th- they're pretty fucking dope. You know, I'll have, to, I'll have to watch it again. I remember it was like the dialogue and the story that was just driving me nuts. But maybe if I watch it, I just hated it. To check out some of the badass. The parts. first time I saw it in the theater, I fucking hated it. And yeah, years down the road, I watched it again, and I was fucking really stoned, and I was just like, "Damn, these dream sequences are actually <laughs> really colorful and cool and kind of creative." Yeah. So I don't know. I don't hate it. I'll look at it through that lens. My favorite is weird. I always like number four for some reason. I, something to do. I know that the soundtrack was kind of sweet. It was kind of, I know it's not the, night. people's most favorite, but yeah, Running dude. through this nightmare. <laughs> Fuck, I'm playing that at my show. <laughs> Are you really? I saw that show, yeah, that you have yeah, coming up. Um, no, I love, I love part four. I love Freddy and sunglasses. Right. <laughs> it's just like a fun one, I guess. Yeah, you know? it's cool. Yeah. Did you did you like the other stuff too, like Friday in uh, Texas oh, and all yeah, that? Oh yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love all of the sequels to it, Leatherface and all those. Um, there's a lot of other franchises I like too that really don't get considered to be franchises because there's not 20 movies of them. Right. But I like all the Poltergeist. Uh, trilogy oh, yeah, right and and all that too a lot and uh exorcist sequels mm-hmm. i even like too how about um hellraiser maybe hellraiser or? i fucking love yeah. um yeah you know i just thought of you were talking about those halloween specials and all that i'm sure you've seen it but did, that wnuf halloween special the, like the fake one yeah yeah did you get into that at all yeah i watched it what? i bought it i got the yeah i got the vhs of it i i thought it was amazing i think they did a fucking yeah. fantastic job making it same here making it look like a vintage like 80s news cheesy newscaster whoever they got to play those fucking newscasters <laughs> were fucking great spot on yeah yeah and those commercials are great too i i loved it yeah oh for sure dude 
so obviously horror was the first thing. Do you think that was what helped you get into metal at all? Or did you have like someone cool no, around that you? Was that was like my dad. CDs? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I had cool parents, I guess. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I was raised on fucking Led Zeppelin and Scorpions. So, okay. Uh, I guess that was my, <clears throat> my little rock influence. I guess you could say right there. Obviously he loved Metallica and shit too. Um, yeah. So I, I just grew up listening to that stuff. And um, I there's this other dude, dead now, rest in peace, my friend Motor. He was an older dude when uh, I first started doing drugs when I was a teenager and smoking, you know, a lot of weed and shit. And uh, yeah, me and my friend Warren would go over his house and he was like kind of uh, a rebellious fuck up dude, I guess. Like just okay. like wake up smoke a fucking camel cigarette and slam a 40 like <laughs> that's what this dude did but yeah. he always had weed and would smoke us down and shit and um he would show me things like fucking terrorizer world downfall when oh, i was okay. like 15 or 16 and i was stoned and i would <laughs> i'd hear the fucking blast beats and just be like what in the fuck right. is this stuff like and he was really into death metal and that's where my love for death metal came from is definitely drinking, smoking weed and just being over his house, listening to the original fucking cassette tapes of it all. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's cool. It seems like everybody has that one person in their life that gives them that first CD or whatever, you know, yeah, for sure. I was lucky enough. I had um, my history teacher. He's um, he's a host of another podcast called Requiem Metal Podcast. You might know the dude he does it with, Mark Rudolph from Detroit. Oh, I know Mark. Yeah, they do this podcast. And um, the other dude, Jason, he was my teacher back in uh, high school. And like, I remember like ninth grade, that was when he started feeding us all the extreme metal stuff. And Hell yeah. Yeah, helped us out too, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, I remember like the first time I started getting, like I, I listened to an album and I got like actually scared by it. And it was um, Mayhem. <laughs> I don't know if you get into black metal at all. I'm not into... Uh, black metal too much um i like some black metal albums i love uh b Harrett's drawing down the moon i love um i don't know if it sounds a little bit different and it's got a little bit of spookiness to it i kind of like it if it's just really blasty typical sounding like early 90s black metal i don't really get mm -hmm. into it too much but if it's like Midnight, if you would consider Midnight or Venom or Bathory Black gotcha. Metal, I tend to be more in the rock motorhead influence side of things like Venom and Bathory and stuff yeah. like that. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of in line, you know, with like uh, th that Detroit sound too. Do you know what I mean? I was trying to explain someone to the other day like what uh, Detroit metal kind of sounds like. Well, it there's a seems lot like there's of different that. scenes in Detroit, too. That's true. As far that as metal true. goes. But in our little scene, it just kind of seems like you add a little punkiness to it. That's what the Detroit metal scene has to offer, in my opinion, is. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's always like a combo, but more often than not, you'll have that little punk edge in there or something like that. Yeah, that D-beat will come in and... Um, even Acid Witch will throw a D-beat in every once in a while, even if it's a little bit slower. Yeah, because we all come from uh, the punk scene for the most part. Me and uh, Shagrat, we grew up playing in punk bands. That's where we come from. 
Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I must I don't know what it is, but do you listen to a lot of bands from from the Detroit scene? Yeah, I mean, I'm very good friends with a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Perversion, Shitfucker, that whole crew Anguish. I don't know mm-hmm. if you get into them. Anguish is fucking badass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you guys have, um, I've always been playing with you for a while, but the Temple of Void guitar, or vocalist who's playing guitar with you guys. I've oh, gotten yeah, really into Mike's them. Oh, yeah, band, Temple of Void, yeah. Yeah, that's badass. So you guys put that album out last year, which was awesome, on Halloween. That was like seven years after your guys' other two. Why, why was it so long after that? <laughs> um I well, was surprised when I seen it. Well, we aren't posers, man. We smoke a lot of fucking <laughs> weed, man. <laughs> okay, right, right on. Uh, I'm just joking. It was yeah. just, a, you know, uh, Shagrat had shit fucker going. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike's in a ton of fucking bands. I have my Slasher Dave shit that I've always done. Right. And it was kind of just a bunch of projects started popping up. And um, I have no idea why, but... Even with no new album, we were still getting played, asked to play like huge festivals and shit. Oh, right on. So we just kind of rode that wave until we were really like ready because I wanted this album to be the ultimate Halloween album. And I didn't want it. I didn't want any, you know, little I wanted it to be a perfect, like almost Halloween three type metal album of Mm. Some of the songs on it almost sound like Halloween special songs, like kid songs, cartoony kind of. Yeah. And um, I find that more creepy <laughs> than I do, let's say, black metal, which you just said. I mm-hmm. I find it more creepy, like the Halloween 3 thing of like, oh, you're trying to bring these kids in through these catchy yeah. kid tunes, but you're bringing them into a really fucking dark place, but you're making this just to kind of entrance them and, and, and get them to follow you. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know why it took us so long, but I, we were just all ready to do it and we did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's badass. I love it. So obviously it's a, <laughs> I've been going through all three albums since this is time of year, but yeah, it's fucking great. Cool. Thank you guys you. did. I saw you did uh, Psycho Las Vegas not long ago. How was that? That's the best festival of them all. Is it? I love to if get I out there. I was going to dish out a couple hundred bucks to go to a music festival. It's definitely uh, Psycho Las Vegas. We saw fucking Coolio there. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It, but no, it's, it's awesome. It's just a bunch of... It's the only fest I know of that... All the bands that play, except for the bigger ones like Cooper and Danzig, and but all the bands are just partying with everybody. So oh, that's it's awesome. just, yeah, it's just really, really, really fun. That's awesome. Did you see any other cool bands while you were there? Yeah, I checked out Survive, uh, the Stranger oh, Things yeah, nice. theme band. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched a bunch. I was kind of in a daze because I was really fucking drunk the whole time. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> course (laughs) but yeah i mean they hook us up with you know tickets for the show so might as well take advantage of it and try to catch as much of it as you can right yeah for sure are you guys going to take your time with the next album or or do you guys have any plans at all yeah um we have plans to actually start releasing music (laughs) like like way more music uh we have a split with vault wraith that we're working on that i don't know if you're familiar with our spooky 
split we did with uh, Nunslaughter. Yeah, definitely. But we're going to continue the spooky route. So it's it's going to be like a comic because that was influenced by creepy and eerie comics. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be like spooky volume two or issue two. And every split that we do with a band is kind of going to be a spooky issue. Right. Kind of look at it oh. like that. Yeah, um, that's a cool idea. And I'm getting new to the whole digital thing somehow now, like years down the road, but <laughs> we're going to start releasing singles and shit too. Really okay. weird singles that don't get anything but a digital release. Just very weird shit. And uh, Maybe something that doesn't fit like on an album or whatever. Exactly. Just like anything we want to fucking do. That's the thing with us. So it's like you never really know what you're going to get with Acid, which a lot of people were like offended at midnight movies like what they're playing cock rock now what the fuck (laughs) okay (laughs) so right you know you never quite know what you're gonna get but we're we basically blew our halloween load with evil sound screamers and that's always gonna be there it's always gonna be an underlying message but we are gonna take the new stuff in a different direction again and kind right. of try to get a lot more creepy with things. That's cool, then. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. What about um, slasher, the Slasher Dave stuff? I mean, that you've been doing that for a little while. I remember when that yeah. first album came out, and I don't even think I knew you were connected to Acid Witch at that point. But really, I'm always yeah, dude. I, I mean, just because I like the synth stuff too, so I'll follow that, you know, on oh, Bandcamp cool. or whatever. Yeah, and I love fucking John Carpenter and all that shit. So it was immediately I loved it, dude. So. I guess, um, yeah. What are the big ones for that? I'm sure. I'm sure John Carpenter John played Carpenter's a role in number one. <laughs> um, yeah, Jay Chataway, the guy who did the Maniac soundtrack, has always mm. been a gigantic influence. Fabio Fritzi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that stuff molded me, and I always look at Acid Witch as kind of like uh, I don't quite know how to explain it. I don't write the riffs in any kind of uh, music theory. Like I, I just write what sounds good, but yeah. I totally take the Halloween John Carpenter dun, 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 and I use that a lot. You might not hear it is, but John Carpenter has his own little minor scale he made up. And okay. I've, I've kind of based a lot of my music off of just that. Yeah, that's cool. Well, it works. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have? Like one movie soundtrack that you like the best? Like I know for me, um, well, it'll probably be a cross between Suspiria. Hell yeah. Or maybe, well, to Halloween, maybe, but maybe even maybe even The Fog. I don't know. One of those Carpenter ones. The Fog is definitely up there in mind, too. Halloween is the best soundtrack ever recorded for a horror movie. But it, I, I, I think it's, it's even like the shitty movies, like in the Halloween franchise, you know, when that soundtrack kicks in, it's hard not to get into it, you know? Yeah, and I grew up working in haunted houses and shit, so I always heard that song. Okay. And it just has, uh, it just sounds like Halloween to me, but my favorite's probably, probably Maniac, the Maniac okay. soundtrack. It's It's got a very raw almost sleazy sound to it like old school new york grindhouse just really dirty sounding Mm -hmm. and i still try to incorporate rawness into my music so everything doesn't sound like super polished right right. and that all kind of stems back from that maniac score i'll have to rewatch it because it's been a long time and i don't even remember you know what it sounds like so that's cool yeah it's it's 
It's really fucking cool. I think Jay Chataway took a couple tips from Carpenter. <laughs> okay, Maybe yeah. Maybe in it a little bit, like uh, Subway Terror. There's a song on the Maniac soundtrack called Subway Terror, and uh, it's kind of got that boom, 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 boom shape oh, stocks. Okay carpenter kind of thing going on so he might have been yeah. a little influenced by carpenter a little bit but i just love the rawness and the feeling of that whole soundtrack yeah sweet man that's awesome i got another one to my list because i'm making a list of some of the movies i'm going to get on here now that uh i've got a little time on my hands hell yeah so um anything else you got planned for uh october now with the halloween spirit any other traditions or anything you got going on I always try to hit up as many fucking haunted houses as I can yeah. that I can afford because they're insanely expensive now. I know. But um, I definitely want to check out that fucking battleship in Bay City. There's battleship. Yeah, there's a, there's a destroyer battleship that has a haunted house inside of it that you actually Holy shit. You board onto it. It's floating on the water. And, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So... I'm going to probably check that shit out at some point this year. Yeah. And I always try to do some kind of show, whether it's Acid Witch or not. And that's kind of what this Slasher Dave show is. Okay. Yeah. Is, uh, I didn't really want it to be a show show. I wanted it to be more a party, like a like a Halloween party. So there's not any bands playing. It's, it's heavy and beyond DJing. And it's me doing my set, which is a mixture of like the my past solo stuff. And Halloween remixes of like the like Halloween TV special that I was telling you about. Yeah, a couple nice. being in there from the ones that have never gotten to see the light of day again. Okay. So the audio literally comes from that VHS tape that my mom taped. So it's all coming back from that. Right. That's badass. Any like visuals with it or anything or, um, I don't know if I'll have visuals on stage, but there will definitely be many visuals throughout smalls. Okay. If gotcha. you're used to the way smalls looks it, it's going to look a little different. We're going to try and make a mini haunted house in it. <laughs> right on. That's sweet, man. I'm going to try and make it out. I, 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 I marked it down. Yeah, so I'm I hoping I can, can get it. That's sweet, man. That's sweet. I know for me, I've got, um, I always take like either at least one day or two days off like the day of halloween and then like usually the day before or after you know well you being from michigan i mean that's another thing that i feel like everybody from fucking michigan or the midwest in general mm. is like cider mills and and yeah and donuts and hay rides and shit that's i feel like that's just a staple in our culture you gotta do it so yeah i mean i do all that shit too i love going to a cider mill or like big reds orchard and just fucking picking apples and pumpkins from the pumpkin patch. Right. Right. Yep. We just did it on Saturday. Hell yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, I really fucking appreciate it. And, um, hopefully if I make it out to that show, I'll say hi for sure. Yeah, for sure. That'd be awesome.
with all the horror stuff, like what was the beginning of it for you? Like, was there a certain film when you were younger that just terrified you or what started it? You know, I, you know, I don't remember specifically, um, you know, like a, a, a catalyst or an epiphany or anything, but I do always, I do remember seeing nightmare on Elm street when I was like, I think it must've been eight maybe. And I did find that quite scary. And I remember I couldn't sleep that night. And I was, and then the, the next day, I, I sort of realized, I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't get killed. Like, everything's fine. Like, okay. Right. And I, I was able to sort of take a step back and then <laughs> get into to watching more and more horror movies. And I was really primarily attracted to the over-the-top kind of violence and gore that was pretty accessible <laughs> during the mid to late 80s. Yeah, sure. You could go to any, any video store and find some simply-faced high school student behind the counter who was willing to rent, you know, reanimator to a 10-year-old, <laughs> like, dude, kid, you're going to fuck you up, man. And, um, you know, th that's the stuff that sticks with me a little bit more to this day is, you know, the Evil Dead 2 and, and reanimator and from beyond and then, yeah. you know, to Texas Chainsaw and The Exorcist that had a little bit more scariness to them, you know. I, I, I was never... I never liked stories about like vampires and shit. Okay. I, you know, I was always more into something that was just sort of gore oriented. Mm -hmm. And I liked the Romero stuff because it has like a, a sort of, you know, social consciousness to it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course. I don't know how much of that I got when I was a kid that, you know, I don't know if I understood that the, the whole mall in, in uh, <laughs> you know, Dawn of the Dead or whatever is, you know, I don't think I really got the, the underlying theme, but you know, it, it was there and, and it, it seeped its way kind of into to my way of thinking, you know, even like they live, same thing. I loved that movie when I was a kid, I saw it in the theater. Okay. And, um, you know, so it was all the, the eighties schlocky gore stuff, you know, that kind of, for me, it sort of culminated in like, it must've been 92 when I, when I saw dead alive, and, and bad taste. And to me, that was like the apex of that genre of the sort of slapstick over the top, extreme gore. Right. Um, that was, that was always my favorite. Cause I, you know, I love the stuff that had a sense of humor about it. And that's something that we've always tried to do in exhumed, you know, with yeah, gruesome, sure. it's played much straighter cause that's how Chuck did it. But with exhumed, we always have tongue planted firmly in cheek and, yeah. We recognize that none of this is to be taken terribly seriously. You know, it's yeah. we're we're having fun, and and you know, this is just you know our sense of humor. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, Nightmare on Elm Street as one of your early ones because I remember when I was trick or treating. You know, as a pretty young kid, I remember going to one house, and you know, they opened the door, and I could see the TV. And it was the scene from the first one where the girl's like spinning on the ceiling with the blood flying out and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a great <laughs> and, scene. Yeah, and I remember just way too young to see that. And it was like, wow, you know, but I figured out what it was. And somehow, you know, you find it on TV. And I remember taping it with a VHS tape, you know, my parents weren't around and <laughs> going back and watching it later, you know. And it was one of those that kind of started it too for me. Yeah, I mean, that was a big thing. I mean, it kind of carried on in grade school and junior high, it was, it was like me and my friends would get together and have, you know, slumber parties as one did. And it was all about, you know, renting the toxic Avenger or whatever. It seemed like the craziest movie class in Newcomb high. That was another favorite. <laughs> and, you know, you just stay up all night, like drinking soda and, and, you know, eating pizza and annoying the kids' parents to where they left the room. And then you could watch the movie. And, right. um, 
you know, then it, it sort of carried on in the 90s when we were in Exhumed and we used to, you know, we all had sort of whatever shit jobs. I used to work at a comic book store. And so we get off work at like nine and we go practice till like 11. And then we sit around from, you know, 12 to whatever, 2 a.m., just eating pizza and drinking beer and like <laughs> trying to, you know, we're trying to find like whatever movies, you know, Impetigo and Mortician were sampling and stuff. And right. that was like, <laughs> so that, that was, you know, kind of the uh, flight progression of my life <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> For sure, man. Yeah, I tried last night. I tried watching uh, Phantasm with my wife, and uh, she walked out pretty quick. But it was the first time I watched it, so I I dug it, man. It was a it was a weird, uh, crazy movie, but that was actually the first time uh, I saw that one. Really? Okay, yeah, I love Phantasm. That, that, that was another that's another good one. And I remember like I saw it as a kid, and then I didn't see it again for years because you know when when you don't. Uh, when all you have is like your allowance between like comic books and you know slurpees and stuff you don't really go and like re-rant movies and then i saw it again as a teenager and i was like wait a fucking second that's the left hand path music i know this like oh <laughs> right <shit."> <laughs> <laughs> right um that, that was the big thing and it's cool because you know there's that theme and that's sort of you know like 80 percent of the music in the whole film is just that theme Loud, yeah. that theme quiet, that theme on a piano, that theme on yeah, a harpsichord so cool. or whatever. It's great, yeah. Yeah, it's so strong throughout. That's what I think I liked about it. It's almost like Suspiria where the soundtrack is half of the movie. You know, if you didn't have that, it would Absolutely. be totally different. Right. I mean, I, and I love, you know, I love a lot of the, just the horde soundtracks, you know, um, all the way back to the Psycho Suite by Bernard Herman. Yeah. And actually, a lot of the old Hitchcock's uh, soundtracks are really good. But yeah, I mean, that's stuff that I do just listen to for fun, whether it's Goblin or John Carpenter or, uh, yeah. you know, I have Christopher Young's Hellraiser score is great. I mean, there's a bunch of good stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I agree. That's the cool thing with especially the old school death metal you know, you listen to something and then kind of figuring out what movie it's from or whatever, what, you know, entombed with Hellraiser and stuff like that. And just all that, man, that's why the connection, it seems like it's always been there with metal and horror. It's just such a bond, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about it, you know, the first metal band is Black Sabbath, which is named after a fucking horror movie. There you so, exactly. I mean, <laughs> to me, it's like, it just seems to go together like, you know, peanut butter and jelly or whatever. And I, I remember, um, when I first discovered metal, I was like really into it and the energy or whatever. And then as, as I got into the heavier stuff, you know, like Slayer and Creator and Celtic Frost and things like that, I kind of realized, I'm like, this is like the audio version of the movies that I like, you know, mm -hmm. this is like, it really goes together. And then Scream Bloody Gore kind of crystallized that because I was like, oh, look, this song is exactly about, this movie like oh shit yeah and you know there's something that i guess never really would have occurred to me until hearing that album you know when i was 12 and it definitely made a, a big impression on me you know yeah yeah totally man and it's always cool like it's like a little easter egg when you figure out what a song's about or it's related to one of your favorite movies or whatever but um along those lines of death man i know on this new album this new gruesome album 
you guys are finally getting into the uh, spiritual healing era. And I'm sure you spent a lot of time with that album. So I guess my big question with that is, did you, was there any big takeaways that you didn't from just from the, the actual spiritual healing album, anything you learned lyric wise or just kind of that you took from the album? Well, you know, I guess looking at, you know, I've spent more time listening to death since starting this band than I probably had in the 10 years before. I mean, I always listen to death and I love the band, but yeah. not, you know, listening to it and enjoying it and, you know, goofing around and playing the riffs is a little different than sitting there and sort of parsing every thing about the album. Um, but, you know, Chuck was kind of on a, on a, a journey, you know, like the, the first record is about basically about horror movies, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of other songs that are in that exact same vein. And then the second album kind of brings that, that same kind of morbidity, but it's focused on the real world, you know, and then the third album continues to focus on the real world and it still has kind of a morbid uh, or certainly a downcast kind of thing going on, but it's still very externally focused except for within the mind. I mean, which is pretty, (laughs) um, pretty, pretty clear what, what, that that's the first thing that he did that's sort of, inwardly focused and really human is where it becomes more personal and sort of psychological talking about interpersonal relationships. Whereas spiritual healing is still kind of finding that real life gore that leprosy was, was looking for, but it didn't, it wasn't quite as disgustingly gory. It was Mm -hmm. more just like horrifying things, you know, whether it be people getting hurt because of religion or, you know, crack babies. I mean, the living monstrosity is about a crack baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Killing sprees, you know, is about a mass shooting or whatever. Um, and I was talking with, with Terry Butler when Gruesome was out with Obituary. And I was thinking, I was kind of trying to, to get inside Chuck's head and, and the other right. guys, you know, as well, where they were at. And I was like, well, what were you guys, you know, reading or watching or whatever in terms of lyrical inspiration. He's just, you know, I was thinking about like, you know, various movies coming out around that time or TV shows and, you know, the time life unsolved mysteries book series and all this stuff. And I was like, I was really overthinking it because Terry just said, he's like, that's just like six o'clock news. And (laughs) I was like, Oh, (laughs) that made it way easier. Um, and you know, looking around, it was pretty easy to find topics that really resonated pretty similarly from, Today, you know, the, um, the the track Fatal Illusions is kind of inspired by, you know, in equal parts by the guy who went into the pizza shop in North Carolina ready to, like, shoot a bunch of people because he thought, you know, Hillary Clinton was running a child sex ring out of a pizza <laughs> mm-hmm. parlor in, in North Carolina, yeah. which seems insane uh, because it is insane. And also the guy that went to go and, like, shoot up the senators playing softball. <laughs> it's yep. like, you know, when you're so wrapped up in this ideology that you're your whole perception of everything around you is twisted and, and it leads you to violence because of course reality is not compatible with the way you're perceiving it. So, and that was very, you know, not too different from killing spree. Obviously in the song we wrote, it's a little yeah. bit more violent. It's not, it's not a near miss thing because that doesn't really make a good death metal song. Um, and the, the title track twisted prayers, you know, it's about Catholic hospitals 
denying, you know, uh, abortions to women with non-viable pregnancies mm-hmm. that, you know, are naming them or, you know, putting their health at risk to the point of potentially killing them. So there's a lot of the same kind of horrific stuff going on around us. So it wasn't too hard. And there, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I really like how you kind of took the same themes then and kind of, you know, it's almost like a cool challenge and then just kind of update them for now. That's a really cool way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was trying to find things that I guess were resonant with with me personally and Mm -hmm. yet also with the themes. But I did sneak a song about a horror movie on there anyway, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is uh, Fate, which is about the dead zone. Okay. Because it's more, you know, it's not like a gore movie like a you know it's not like a full cheese movie or something um yeah. but it's it's horrific and it's kind of psychological and anyway it just it, it I, th- I thought it was kind of a little bit more in that reality based what if violence kind of thing that right. spiritual healing was kind of echoed so right, managed right to on. get a little bit of horror in there anyway of course so i mean do you do that a lot with your lyrics do you try and fit in i mean you know i've looked at a lot of your lyrics and obviously it's you know you got some some horror stuff going on do you write do you just take influences or do you try and capture something from a movie or like how do you approach that um you know it's never it's different for each band you know with with gruesome i wrote directly about certain movies simply because um that's what chuck did you know Mm -hmm. evil dead being about evil dead land of no return about the beyond (laughs) And, uh, you know, regurgitated guts about um, Gates to Hell and so forth. So I kind of just went, you know, like Trapped in Hell is about Hellraiser. Um, now my, my mind's going blank. Uh, Seven Doors is also about the beyond. And there's a bunch of others. That if, I yeah. hadn't, if I hadn't just woke up, I probably could remember. <laughs> um, with, with Exhumed, it's always been a little bit more of taking that same atmosphere and kind of generalizing it into whether it's kind of like a, a a gimmicky horror hook like Camel Corpse does, like, you know, Severed Headstone yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. we do stuff like that where it's like, all right, this song is just about, you know, general mutilation or whatever, like horrendous member dismemberment or force yeah. and fire. Um, it's, it's almost more like taking one scene and just writing a song about that, you know, um, at least in the old days. And then it kind of morphed into using all the sort of, uh, what sort of all, all the motifs and the imagery to kind of do songs about other things, you know, like on anatomy is destiny. There's a bunch of songs that are kind of like more existentialist, you know, really like life is, you know, the sum of kind of your kind of component parts and there's no afterlife kind of thing. And then on necrocracy, it was more of like a political kind of statement, like death of democracy or rule by the dead or whatever. Um, that was kind of the, the metaphor that we were going for there. So it, it just depends. And then, you know, with the last record with death revenge, it's just a straight up concept story. Yeah. And it wasn't this, I watched a bunch of the, the movies that were inspired or about Burke and Hare, And I really thought most of them weren't very good, okay. <laughs> but I, I thought it was a, a fascinating story and it was really fitting with the exam aesthetic and it was a chance to do something a little bit different. So I, I, I love the, the source material. I didn't really think any of the movies were, were very good. Yeah. Well, let's man, one more, one more question. Um, yeah. go, we'll go with, I guess, exhumed. If, if exhumed was a horror movie, what horror movie would it be? <laughs> I, I, I think, I think we would be dead alive because it's goofy. It's gory. Okay. It, it, you know, it's got, 
we don't take ourselves too seriously, but I think we're at least as violent as anybody else out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Musically. <laughs> um, so I, I think the shame, it's, it, we, my wife and I have been rewatching Lord of the Rings, the extended versions, because she's never seen them. Oh, wow. And it's, uh, it's weird thinking, you know, as I'm watching this, I'm like, it's crazy. This is the guy that made Bad Taste and, and Dead Alive. And it's almost, it's fantastic because I love Tolkien. I love Lord of the Rings. I love the movies. And, uh, you know, obviously I wish everybody to succeed and Peter Jackson's doing great, but it's like, man, really, it's too bad. He, he stopped making like this, these great splatter movies because right. he was, he was one of the absolute fucking best, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. Maybe he'll, he'll do a return at some point or something. Who knows? That would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With all the money and everything he's got now and <laughs> Yeah. Hell, he could do whatever he wants. So if he wanted to make it, you know, bad taste too, where they come back to, you know, make us into some kind of different food, you know, he could he could do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, all right, man. Uh, listen, I uh, really appreciate uh, the interview, man, and talking. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for doing it, man.
Um, what about uh, the lyrics, man? I always like the lyric videos, see what you're talking about and everything. This new one, it was like, uh, it seemed a little more commenting on some things maybe, or what were you going with this time around? Well, let's just say that the concept for TerraVision is, let's look at it like like it's a burrito. Okay. And it's got three fillings, you know, because yeah. I like bur- who doesn't like burritos, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> there we go. So it, at first glance, it's if you look at the cover artwork or a lot of the themes, it, it's sort of a representation of uh, Dante's Inferno and Hell on Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if you dig a little deeper, I actually took a lot of very current topics, both on social or political or whatever, uh, you know, topics. And thought of how can I incorporate this into the world of aborted, which basically is how can I incorporate all this stupid bullshit that bugs me yeah. and throw it into the script of an 80s sketchy horror movie. So yeah. basically I came with this idea where terror vision, which also a play words on uh, television, is sort of like these monsters you see on the cover are like a, a the old movies, let's say, always had like this one supreme evil or the one bad guy or an iconic evil presence that was the cause of mm-hmm. all bullshit. So in that aspect, I just chose the media as if it were some sort of demonic presence that was mm-hmm. manipulating and using us to you know, uh, have its own or an outer agenda. So that's kind of mixed in there. And then the third layer would just be an homage to the 80s movie Terror Vision. I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's a, nice. Yeah, it's a movie about some interdimensional monster coming into our world to kill everybody except metalheads. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, metalheads are cool, right? He's eating the Pottermans out of house and home. In fact, it seems like this creature will eat anything. No! Well, just about anything. She looked right at my studs and cooled out. This dude's into metal! Now, it's up to the kids to break the creature of its bad habits. I said shut up! When I saw the title, I was like, they can't be referencing that movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we are. That's badass. And that's kind of cool because it works. I mean, the title, Terror Vision, seems to go really well with what you're talking about then, with the media, what you're being fed, you know, that's kind of exactly cool play I mean, on the how, title. how many times you heard Terror in the last two years? I lost yeah, count. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So was it hard to kind of combine the two? Was it fun or challenging, you know? Uh no, actually it went pretty smoothly and by itself because i gotta say this is like what album 10 and ep number i don't even know yeah so that's a lot of death metal lyrics and at some point you know you run out of shit to say about shit so (laughs) you gotta find a different topic right 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 so it was kind of cool to like get it in there but fit it in the universe which was a cool challenge because we're also not the kind of band that you know wants to preach or whatever it's uh yeah it's still about having a good time with music i can appreciate that it's kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of like i don't know george romero movies with the zombies you know but he's talking about some bigger concepts behind it you know what i mean yeah exactly that's cool that's cool so i mean with the 80s horror movies man i mean like that's my favorite era too is the 80s horror stuff and uh what was like the first movie that you watched that 
I don't know, scared the shit out of you and made you kind of fall into it. <laughs> okay, you're going to laugh, but uh, Re- Return of the Living Dead. I saw oh, that okay. when I was like eight years old or something. There's a hundred of those things out there. How many did you say? A hundred. The dead are refusing to remain buried. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to call the boss. They've come back to life. They're hungry. And they're not vegetarians. The graveyard out there is full of people coming out of the ground. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. The Return of the Living Dead. Hell yeah, that's awesome, man. That's, I mean, not the scariest, but when you're that young, I guess. Oh, yeah, dude. The fucking Tar Man fucking... I, I couldn't watch zombie movies for the longest time after that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still one of my favorites, so it's not a bad one to see first. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really great, but maybe not when you're eight. <laughs> yeah, that's young, man. That might leave you with some scars. <laughs> yeah, I, look at how I turned out. <laughs> yeah. Fucking fantastic, right? <laughs> you can trace it all back. There we go. That's where it went wrong. <laughs> Did you have to like uh, sneak around at all when you were watching horror? I know like when I was young, my parents were totally against it. You know, I'd have to go into the basement and, you know, I remember watching like Nightmare on Elm Street down there and, you know, not letting them know about it. Or, or did, were you cool just to watch it all? No, they, they, they were actually okay with it. Uh, a lot of it I saw even with my grandparents and we actually go to the, to the video store, you know, back when that was actually still a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know go down to video stores and you know of course you pick the horror movies by the artwork right and uh, i saw a lot of really shitty shitty movies with really good covers yeah (laughs) yeah that's the way it went back then right Uh uh-huh yeah i mean what do you think why did you like the 80s so much what was i mean do you keep up with the modern stuff or do you stick with the old stuff oh no no i keep up with everything it's just like uh, to me there's a certain thing that's sort of missing now from then of course it depends on the the you know context of the movie but i i enjoy the fact that there was always a a, a good dose of humor mm-hmm. or a dark sense of humor involved and i always liked the you know the one bad guy thing uh there were a lot of original concepts yeah that's as true to where a lot of the more modern movies are like there's just some stupid drama in a house with a family. Oh, and I guess a ghost somewhere. <laughs> it, yeah. It's like, how can we make a scary movie without any special effects? Oh, I know. Ghosts. <laughs> so, I mean, some of them are cool, but it's been overdone and overdone. But there's also really, you know, original and, and cool concepts. Uh, like Get Out was really good. I thought Don't yeah. Breathe was really good. Uh, just saw that new Blumhouse movie Upgrade, which was sick as fuck too. Yeah, I've been wanting to see that. Yeah, it's really good, as well as the new movie from those guys from RKSS, which are a bunch of metalheads from Montreal. They What's did the movie RKSS. Okay. Uh, it's the film company, and they did a movie called Turbo Kid. Okay, interesting. I'm yeah, this down. And, yeah, it's it's all pure 80s homage, homage and now they did uh, a movie called the summer of 84 mm. which is basically like you take like for example stranger things but 
make it turn out really, really horrible. <laughs> oh man, it sounds awesome. <laughs> so, so it's it's really good. There's a crazy ass plot twist at the end that I was like, what? They did what? So no, really good, really good. Oh man, yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that soon. I, I just the only newer one I watched lately was that one on Netflix called The Ritual. That was kind of fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. I was very surprised how kind good of an that original, was. you know, creature or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. plus some of the effects are really, really well done. Like when he's in the forest and all of a sudden back in the supermarket. How oh, did yeah, right. did the transitions were really cool? Yeah, yeah. That's another thing that you don't get nowadays. You know, back then you didn't have the CGI. I. I I do still mm-hmm. miss when you had stuff that looked, you know, even if it looked a little bit, you know, you could tell it's not real. It's better than the computer shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. The practical effects were, you know, were fucking awesome. I mean, even if you look back at the thing, it, it looks dated, of course, but there's this oppressing vibe to it, which is very rare to have these days. Yeah, yeah. Once in a while, you'll get it, but yeah. I think it's just, I guess, I don't know too expensive or whatever mm. yeah i know for me once like this season starts coming around september october i start jumping full on in and it's all, pretty much all horror movies for the, for the next two months for me so <laughs> <laughs> it's the time to be scary yeah man i don't know what it is metal and horror it's just <laughs> they it, go it together goes well you know? handy. yeah there we go <laughs> so do you guys uh or do you and specifically like i don't know this year last year it's just been like uh a ton of death metal coming out and just all different types of death metal. But do you keep up to it? Cause it seems like, you know, there's a lot of people talking, you know, this has just been a golden era. This has been a huge time for death metal. Do you listen to a lot of the new stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you got to keep up. Uh, I'm not one of those guys that goes like the demos better and death <laughs> metal died in the nineties. No, not absolutely not. There's been great bands and great things coming out. Maybe not a newer band, but Cattle Decapitation has been killing it for the last mm-hmm. couple of records. They've been doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this new Danish band called Beast. Which oh, yeah, okay. Sound very close to Bloodbath, yeah. I'd say. I've heard of that. I think it had that kind of the HM2. Yeah, they do. And the song. singer actually sounds exactly like Michael Ackerfeld. So. Yeah. No, it's really good. There's another band from Sweden too called In Reverence that I really dug. Uh, sort of more like a old school death metal thing, but a bit more black metal as well. Mm, okay, nice. Really interesting stuff. Oof, what else lately? Benighted's been churning out some really awesome stuff. Cytotoxin from Germany. Yeah, it's a good uh, up and coming one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we just did a US tour with a bunch of bands. A lot of them were really sick, like Archaic, Super Tight Life, very good band. Yeah uh yeah even ingested and all that kind of stuff you know there's a lot of really good bands out there um i forgot i was gonna ask one other thing earlier um we were talking about the lyrics is there anybody out there that you think is doing a really cool job with lyrics because it's one thing i you know i don't always pay attention to it unless it's certain bands that i really know i like it already so is there anybody that you think is doing a really cool job with lyrics or just some old favorites uh well old favorites i'd definitely say carcass uh, and impaled Mm. impaled and exhumed write write some really cool lyrics um always loved what they're doing Mm -hmm. uh and then other than that newer bands let's say i think it's will writing them i'm not sure but fit for an autopsy has some pretty pretty Mm -hmm. cool insightful stuff as well Mm-hmm. or you know bands like burned by the sun stuff like that awesome man well uh appreciate the uh interview man and uh like i said uh i think i'll be it's gonna be stuck with me for a little bit this album so right on thank you man thanks for the for your time and uh 
hopefully see you when we're uh, back over in the States. What was it that got you kind of started in horror? Was it books? Was it a certain movie? Like, what was the beginning point for that? Yeah, for me, I've always been a horror kid. For example, uh, like, I'm friends with Kirk Hammond of Metallica, and he's a big horror guy. And one thing, when I, you know, hang with him or talk to him and we get on on our horror kick, we're always like, yeah, man, we're horror kids. We're always going to be horror kids. And that really... (laughs) basically means like we both got into horror at a really young age. I can remember being like 
say three or four years old, and I just loved Halloween. Mm-hmm. My favorite time of year, my favorite holiday. Same here. And and that hasn't that hasn't changed. And I I really just uh, took that and then started seeing horror movies, you know, on TV or whatever my parents would want me to see at the theater. You know, they didn't like taking me to rated R movies. But right, I, right. You know, I got my, my creepiness on, if you will. I was always evolving. It went from Halloween to scary kids books to I was into my mom's mystery and horror novels. You know, she had all these Alfred Hitchcock anthologies and then Stephen King and Peter Straub novels. And then anything, man, anything that was creepy and scary and, you know, all that good stuff. I, uh, I just wanted to get my hands on it all. And that's why I say I'm a horror kid because I just had that in me, you know. People that aren't hip to horror and stuff, and maybe you get this too, just being a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Some people that aren't into horror understand it. I ask, wow, why are you into such creepy stuff? Why do you like horror? Why do you write horror novels? And it's like, I'm not into sports. So that's like me asking, well, why, if you're a football <laughs> fan, why, why are you such a football fan? I can't get my head around it. But, uh, I just say, you know what? It's in me. There's a reason Stephen King writes all his novels and has a passion, and 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 it's in his DNA to write horror. And that's that's how it is for me. It's like horror is in my DNA, and it's it's fascinating in a way. Horror, like any kind of fiction or movies, it's an escape. Life has enough, you know, real life horrors and. Horror fiction, horror movies, even though they're called horror, are fun. They're an escape, and and uh, that's like the best way I could describe it. Yeah. And again, it just goes back to me being a kid and being so influenced by horror books and movies that just stuck with me, and it's always stuck with me. You know. Do you, Do you remember like what the first one that uh, terrified you as a kid was? Yeah, I can totally tell you, man. The first thing, okay, I'm gonna give you two things back-to-back that okay. the shit out of me. One was when I was really young, I saw the movie Psycho, mm. and I'd seen, like, some vintage horror movies, you know, like Dracula and Frankenstein and stuff. I lived in the middle of the central Wisconsin out in the country. We didn't have cable TV or satellite TV or anything. We had, like, three local TV stations on a black-and-white TV, and that gave me a little bit of TV stuff, but what one channel in particular on Friday nights had like a chiller monster theater type of theme show. Yeah, and sure. I was in love with that. So they play all these classic horror movies and they were good. You know, sometimes they give me a little chill as a kid, but what really terrified me, dude, was I saw um, psycho. And when I saw psycho, man, it just, dude, it, it just terrified me. <laughs> the, the, the music, yeah, um, sure. The whole, the whole, the whole music score, on um, that creepy Bates house, overlooking the hotel and everything. That's yeah. that, that imagery terrified me. And then, uh, dude, what really got me uh, to this day is the the shower scene and everything was terrifying, of course. But the um, the scene towards the end. Remember when the gal goes down into the Bates basement? Mm-hmm. And she thinks, Bates is sitting in that chair and she turns the chair around and it's Mrs. Bates' corpse. Mrs. Bates.
Yeah. Dude, that terrified me. That that had a profound <laughs> impact on me, and and like I couldn't sleep. I was shocked. It, it just blew me away. And then the other movie after that was when I saw the movie Halloween for the first time. Yeah. And much like Psycho, you got a killer with a big butcher knife. So there's a similarity there. And, and also the score to the movie, John Carpenter's music, the music alone, dude, terrified me, the goddamn music. And I, and I also, it not only terrified me, but I also fell in love with it. Um, to this day, that, that, that Halloween score is one of my favorite movie scores. And, but that movie, bro, scared me so bad, dude. So <laughs> bad. From Michael Myers, the mask he wore alone scared me. And then, like, stalking, you know, Laurie Strode and, and these teenagers and just that whole Halloween night. Dude, I never saw a movie like that. And it was like he was indestructible. You can't kill this psychopath. He's shot, you know, mm -hmm. by Dr. Boobus, all this stuff. And, dude, it just terrified me it terrified me so bad my mom was a single mom raising my younger sister and i right and that movie terrified me so bad when when my mom would my mom had a boyfriend she'd go out meet her boyfriend sometimes at night and i'd start crying dude like <laughs> no don't leave i don't want to be alone and i would like sleep with a but my one of my mom's butcher knives under yeah. my pillow like if michael myers comes, like i that's the only thing i've ever scared me so much that I took it way too serious. Like, I thought the shit was real. No other movies or anything affected me that way. So anyway, um, great question that you asked. It's so funny to be so scared of those, though, and then, but it's almost, it's what drew you in at the same time. I mean, you were having these, you know, you were freaking out, you know, it was so scary to you, but somehow, you know, it, it, it sparked the fire in you. You know what I mean? It's a weird concept. Right, right exactly. Yep. You know like it. <laughs> the charge or something, you know, it makes you want to <laughs> come back for more, even though you're kind of not sure about it. Right. Exactly. So how uh, <laughs> did the horror stuff, how did it kind of spill into Broken Hope a little bit? I mean, I know, you know, you guys swamped in gore. I mean, a lot of the lyrics you guys, you know, I know you're the, the lyric writer with the gore stuff and all that. So kind of how did it influence Broken Hope? Well, um, since I was always out. Well, so going back to grade school with all the horror stuff that I was into, the thing is I was writing little horror short stories even back in, in uh, grade school. Okay. So I, was, I became a writer at a young age, and I always tell people writing came before music ever did in my life, and it always stayed with me. So to that end, you know, when I formed Broken Hope, I just kind of took what I already knew as a writer and liked writing lyrics. Now, my lyric writing evolution, I went from, before Broken Hope, I tried forming high school bands. And, and I was always, I was into metal. And my lyrics weren't so much horror-based as they were about, like, being true, like, true metal warriors <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and shit. Like, I remember <laughs> writing lyrics about, you know, killing posers and, you know, <laughs> okay. like really funny shit looking yeah. back, you know, like it would be great, great stuff for like, you know, some thrash band or something. But mm -hmm. when, when I, when I got, I went from metal, when I say metal, I'm talking like Judas Priest, yeah, uh, you know, 82, then I discovered Metallica, Ride the Lightning, that made me want to be a guitar player, changed my life. 
and then Slayer Rain of Blood came out, and that changed my life. And I went from thrash into death metal then, like, you know, by like 80, 87. And then in 1988, I found Broken Hope. That's like 30 years ago when I was in high school. And to be total death metal band. So my lyrics also changed. And on a Slayer note, Jeff Hanneman, who's a huge influence on me, I always thought not only did he write the greatest riffs, but he was such a talented lyric writer for Slayer. And I was like, mm-hmm. this guy doesn't sing. I don't sing. But he writes the sickest lyrics. I'm like, that. that's what I want to do, you know, is write yeah. the write lyrics and write riffs. And that's what I did with Broken Hope. And when, when, when I wrote riffs and lyrics for Broken Hope, my lyrics were horror-based from, from the get-go. And, and that's, again, as you know, that's my passion. Horror. Yeah. And and like lyrics, I always look at the lyrics as little micro fiction horror stories. And so when you read my lyrics, that that's what they are. Now with Swamp and Gore, you know, that like the lyrics I wrote for that, I wrote in nineteen ninety. So I was like twenty years old. Yeah. And nineteen or twenty. So I I look back that the lyrics I think lacked some maturity on that on that album. You know, mm-hmm. they were Kind of gore for gore's sake. I mean, look at the yeah. album title, Swamp sure. and Gore. That's the message. And um, I don't want to take anything away from that. I, I love, you know, Swamp and Gore is special to me. And, and then when we first came off that album, it's like, here's here we are. We're broken up. And we're a horror, gore, lyrical band. You know, yeah, and, it fits with, and it fits with the music. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. 
And then as time went on, my lyrics became more and more, you know, involved and, and my writing got better. Not just my lyrics, lyric writing got better, my short story writing got better. It's like the craft of writing. I'm always on it and getting better. And I feel my lyrics, you know, um, even though some of the content could be <laughs> looked at as tasteless or over the top, I still think that the lyrics are well, well written. And again, yeah. they're like little, little pieces of micro fiction, you know? So that's kind of how I became a lyric writer and how I took my passion for horror and, and wove it into Broken Hope. Okay, interesting. So I know you've got this new book and it's coming out, uh, or it's already out, uh, Rabbit Heart, right? It's actually coming out October 4th. Oh, so, okay. Uh, not too, not too much longer, you know? Okay, cool. So, Kind of, what's the book about? I saw something to do with the uh, with this with the story, but kind of give it just like a quick rundown of it. Sure. Basically, started with you know my love of uh, zombie films and stuff. I'm a huge fan of Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, you know the Romero stuff. And oh yeah, I also wanted to write a book that had a strong female protagonist, and my main character in Rabbit Heart, Rhonda Driscoll is a 20-something gal from, from North Carolina who's thrown into this new world after this pandemic breaks out that it's basically started as a rabies culture thing that the military, of course, it's always the military, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was, was play, playing around with. And um, it started this whole pandemic that was passed through this virus, this what they call necro-rabies. Mm. And... The, uh, the zombies that come into being from this Necro Rabies thing, they're nicknamed Cujos. So if anyone's familiar with Stephen King's book in the movie Cujo, that's, that's yeah. kind of where the nickname came from. So anyway, this gal is like uh, on a military base now. It's like six months after this, this pandemic breaks out. And uh, her father's a Marine colonel who whisked her away to safety with some other people. And it's a, it's a Marine base in North Carolina. So for the last six months, they're grouping together and they go out in a Blackhawk helicopter to various towns within like X amount of mile radius to find survivors, supplies, that type of thing. And she goes back to her old hometown where uh, she was rescued from. And, and her, as you learn in the story, her mother died, her younger sister and her fiance we're not able to be saved. So she's got this tremendous loss and that's always weighing heavily on her. So she goes back to her old hometown and she makes her way to the townhouse she used to live in. And lo and behold, she actually finds her fiance there in their townhouse, but he's uh, quote unquote Kujified or zombified. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so um, she doesn't have the heart to, put a bullet in his head and end him. She really conflicted. You know, she'll kill any other zombie, but it's hard for her to get her head around that her fiance, the love of her life is this, you know, rabid, very violent zombie, which by the way, there, there's a glimmer of some kind of, I don't know, cognition in, in his brain that he, he recognizes Rhonda. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So she, she actually takes him back to the military base under the intense protests, as you can imagine, as uh, from the other people on, on this helicopter. 
And once she gets back there, her father goes nuts because she, she brought the zombie back. By the way, she's got immense PTSD from all this stuff, mm-hmm. too. So a lot of, not say, saying this in a dista horror movies or, or, or stories like this, but they make it real easy for main characters to, like, just sort of function mm-hmm. in a world that's just gone to hell and every, everything is, like, apocalyptic. So I tried to really be more realistic about a main character in a situation like this, like uh, with PTSD, losing family members. I mean, massive, massive stuff. And um, not knowing if you're going to be alive tomorrow or not, you know. So yeah. she has PTSD. She's got all these uh, troubles. And she just says, screw this. I'm not going to let my fiancé die. And, and she steals a Humvee and whisks her fiancé. His name is Brad, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, and she goes on this road trip to Florida. She, her destination is this family condo in, in Florida. And she's got this delusion in her head that her and Brad can live, you know, in this condo on a beach happily ever after, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the whole road trip is just full of, you can imagine, all kinds of perils. Like a review I got from this section of Publishers Weekly, they summed up Rabbit Heart like this. It's like if you took Misfits lyrics and grainy VHS horror movies and then put them in a setting like Cormac McCarthy's The Road, that would be Rabbit Heart. And I think that's a pretty good summary, brief synopsis of of what Rabbit Heart is. You know, it's there's, you know, some tongue in cheek parts that are, you know, kind of funny, but it's really there's a lot of it that's a bit bleak and sobering. And I'm not like trying to like um, make it like Cormac McCarthy's The Road, but I try just trying to make it as realistic as possible. If, yeah. You know, like, what would it really be like to be in this situation? I mean, you got me intrigued. It sounds like there's a lot of depth to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love zombies. I love all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't... Um I've not, I have not branched out a lot into horror authors. I really love Stephen King. Uh, it's like Salem's Lot. It's probably my favorite horror book. For uh, sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love, I love uh, Salem's Lot, man. God, I have the original hardcover of that, dude. It's so good. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. it was that got me on that one, but I love it, man. I mean, I've read a lot of his books, but that one, uh, you know, it stands out to me the most for some reason. Yeah, that one really got me too. I read. I've been reading Stephen King since. Really, since grade school, my mom got me into Stephen King, and he's been a huge inspiration to me, and I just love his work. And I remember when Salem's Lot came out, and I read my mom's copy. And man, that book, I, I loved it. I always identified with the kid in that book. You know, his parents get killed by the, the main vampire and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, I just, I love that book. Yeah, good stuff. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, I've got uh, like two minutes left until I got another interview calling in, but last question. Okay. Yeah. Last question for you. If you were, if, if Broken Hope was one horror movie, or you had a pair, you know, what Broken Hope does with a horror movie, what would you go with? What horror movie? Okay, that's easy. <laughs> and that would be John Carpenter's The Thing. And, and, and if you look at our last album, Mutilated and Assimilated, that album is the first time we've ever made an album as a complete tribute to a horror movie uh, from the cover artwork to the, to the title track, Mutilated Assimilated. That is all a tribute, a nod and a salute to John Carpenter's The Thing. And I think, and I'm talking about, to your point, the imagery, the terror and fear of that movie 
that sums up Broken Home, my friend. Oh, that's awesome. And it's a great movie, man. I love it, too. Like I said, John Carpenter, anything. So uh, awesome, man. Well, listen. <laughs> hey, before I, before I let yeah. you go, I just wanted to say I love the name of your show, Into the Combine, bro. <laughs> that actually makes me want to write about getting in eaten up by a combine. Oh, I grew up man. in Wisconsin. <laughs> I went to school with classmates whose parents owned combines. I've been in combines. I've been around them. And dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great name, bro. I just wanted to tell you, dude. I give you a high five for that. Uh, and thank you, and thank you for having me to talk about rabbit heart and everything. I really oh, I love it, man. <laughs> no one yeah. understands the brutality of combines except for people who grow up around farms. So I love it, man. <laughs> uh, I get it, dude. I get it. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. I really appreciate it. 